guys, welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is Kriogs over, over Coffee. coffee. Alright guys, so today we have with us back again Michael Foley to talk to us a little bit about what to look for in a financial advisor. Thanks for coming back on the podcast, Michael. No, thanks for having me. Before we get to our learning objectives, we'll just read off again the bio slash disclaimer statement um, that Michael, again, is a comprehensive financial advisor. He runs his practice out of Scottsdale, Arizona under North Star Resource Group. He was trained at Duke University, holding his certified financial planner designation alongside his certified student loan professional designation. He sees a diverse group of clients with financial and student loan needs. He has two physician parents, and he's found a specialty in working with us in the healthcare space. He is a registered representative and investment advisor, representative of Securian Financial Services. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Securian Financial Services, Inc., member of FINRA and SIPC. This North Star Resource Group is independently owned and operated at 6720 North Scottsdale Road, Suite 290 in Scottsdale, Arizona, 85253. Financial professionals do not provide tax or legal advice. This should not be considered as such, so please consult a tax or legal professional for advice regarding your specific situation. Separate from the financial plan and our role as financial planner, we may recommend the purchase of special investment or insurance products or accounts. These product recommendations are not part of the financial plan, and you are under no obligation to follow them. Um, All right. Now that we've done that, Michael, we're going to talk about financial advisors today. So what exactly are we going to learn from you? Yeah, so I think today uh, it'd be really helpful to make sure that your uh, you know, your, your listeners you know really have an understanding of you know what why is it important that we're outsourcing this stuff to a professional and what what should we be looking for in a financial team on on for for your for you guys um, what should we be looking for in an, a financial advisor. Um, we're also going to be looking at, you know, how do financial advisors get compensated and what are their going rates? And then really want to talk about, you know, how do we trust an advisor and what should we be looking for to make sure that we have a trusting relationship with our financial advisors? Awesome. All right. So to start us off, Michael, um, talk to me about why is it important to kind of outsource this to a professional and, and you know, why do we need a financial team as a physician? Yeah, so I think that it's really important to start understanding the uh, the principle of outsourcing, and I mean, I think this is what we identify. You guys kind of you know start to learn in the medical field that you guys have subspecialties, and you know we can outsource you know a uh, a client to someone whose job it is only to do OBGYN, right, or only to do MFM, or only to do critical care, right. We have all these other specialties that we can outsource to, and that's all they do, right. And so a lot. Of the times, if we try to be the the do it yourself or try to do everything ourselves, everything gets done a, a little poorly, <laughs> right? Everything can get done, but it might not be up to stuff, you know. And there's stuff that I, you know, I try to do myself around the house, and I learn my limitations <laughs> sometimes when I'm trying to do a drip line in my backyard. But maybe I should just pay my, you know, my gardener, you know, fifty bucks to do it in a half hour for me. That might be a little bit easier, right? Same goes in our finances, and um, but I think it's really hard because there's a lot of, uh, of content that you might read online that you know really bashes financial advisors. And I think this, you know, uh, this comes from maybe their experience with a bad, a bad Apple financial advisor. But, you know, this really leads to creating this sense of distrust that, you know, I think really can lead physicians to not want to trust 
people in their finances. And um, what is really hard is it's developing this large cohort of what we call do-it-yourselfers that are trying to do all of these things. They're trying to be the doctor. They're trying to be the financial planner. They're trying to be the CPA. They're trying to be the real estate professional. They're trying to do all of these things themselves. And, you know, but maybe they're now making decisions based off of rules of thumb that they read online or, you know, that was really designed for the masses, not for the individual. Um, you know, maybe they're making decisions now based off of their emotion because they can't remove themselves from their own financial decisions. Um, or, you know, a lot of times we're getting, you know, clients that are getting information that's, you know, maybe outdated or just honestly, just outright wrong from maybe loved ones that care for them so deeply and, you know, want the best for them, but maybe they're just not educated in that domain, or maybe the information that they're recommending doesn't apply anymore. And it's really outdated. So really it's important that we are outsourcing to someone who is up to date on these things and making sure that we can, you know, get the right professionals in place. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you guys have those patients, probably that will come to you and try to look something up on WebMD and they have their whole script of their play-by-play of what, what treatments they need and what they need to be doing. And, you know, heaven forbid, you know, if they were to actually not come and consult you <laughs> and they were just to act on that, you know, that could be potentially deadly in certain situations, right? And so that's why, you know, it's it's good that you guys, you guys are the professionals to help guide them in that. But this stuff happens in the financial world all the time. And they will go read some article online and then make decisions and changes in their finances because of that, which is really oftentimes can be dangerous. And we got to make sure that we're, we're being really thoughtful in that. The only other thing that you want to make sure of is, you know, who, you know, who we're, you know, making sure we have on our team and our financial team. And so the, really the, the three, you know, big players that I want to make sure that you guys have are, you know, we want to make sure you have your, uh, a, a, you know, experienced CPA, um, someone to help you with your taxes. I think that's going to be a huge, huge player. Um, we need to make sure that you have a trusted financial advisor helping you in these different areas, your finances. Um, and then you also need an attorney. Um, we're going to need contract reviews. We're going to need someone to make your wills and trusts for your families, things like that. Um, so those are kind of the three folks that, you know, I think would really be important for having on your financial team to outsource these things. No, I, I like the analogy, Michael, um, in a lot of ways, because, yeah, this is, I think, for a lot of us who are in medicine, a frustration um, when folks make ill-advised choices because, you know, they feel like the WebMD or the Google MD has earned them something more than the years and years of experience training delayed gratification that we go through. Um, so we certainly don't want to inflict that pain on, on someone like yourself, too. My experience and a lot of my colleagues' experience with financial advisors is often that they get, you know, a, an email one day to their, you know, med student email or their residency email saying, hey, look, I'm a financial advisor, employ me and I'll, I'll work for you or something. Um, but if we have the ability to look for a financial advisor or, you know, like we'd look for a doctor to listen to our concerns or questions, what are the important things to be looking for? Yeah, I mean, I think there's uh, there's there's kind of a, a variety of things that that you want to be looking for, but you know, really to uh, to kind of summarize, we want to 
start with we're looking at what their experience is and what kind of their designations are, what their expertise is in. It's really important to understand you know, what type of advisor are they offering just one piece of the puzzle. Maybe they're just an investment advisor, maybe they're just an insurance agent, or maybe they're just a financial planner. You know, where do they where do they fit on the spectrum? And that that will be really important. Um, and then you know, helping to look at uh, often a lot of other advisors will have designations that will you know help you understand kind of where their specialty is or what their experience might may be in various areas. So for example, the certified financial planner designation that I have after my name, this that required years, you know, a, a year and a half of education, kind of like a fellowship that you guys might have to go through. Um, but it actually taught me how to think comprehensively. And you know, the you know, the aim with a CFP is, you know, really to in your guys's language, treat the disease, not the symptoms of the disease, right? You know, we might be, you know, making an investment recommendation, but we need to know how does that impact, you know, your tax planning? How does that impact your estate planning? How does that impact, you know, your insurance planning? You know, how do, how do that, how does that play into the bigger picture? So that's kind of one thing that you'd be looking at um, for a certified financial planner. Um, you know, this, the CFP also, the people that are, are certified financial planner, um, uh, planner designation that have that designation, they're held to a set of standards that is actually above and beyond a non-designee. And so those are set by the CFP board and they, you know, they require years of experience even to sit for the board exam. So that's a, that's a good metric to, you know, really understand, you know, are they experienced and do they have, you know, that designation, then you kind of know, you know, know where they're at. I'm not saying that you have to only work with a CFP, but I know that is one way of looking at if somebody does have experience and have education in that specific field. Um, so that's one thing that I would look at. The next is, are they an independent agent or are they a captive agent? Meaning that, you know, do they work for a single company that offers the services? So are they, you know, with a, you know, one insurance company and they're just only offering those insurance companies to you and they're, you know, they're kind of obligated to offer those insurances to you, or are they truly independent? Because, you know, if you're looking for someone who, you know, is going to give you objective advice, you know, the key is going to be to find an independent advisor who's going to not be financially incentivized to only offer one type of product for you or one, one company of products for you. So I think that independence is going to be another thing that you want to look at. Um, what are their affiliations? Who, you know, who are they able to offer and what, what not there? Um, the other thing too is for you guys as physicians, you just have a, a very specific subset of needs that other demographics don't necessarily need to be thinking about, right? So, you know, you guys have high debt, high income, high liability, and you have a compressed timeline to save for retirement, you know? And so we got to make sure there's a lot of other, you know, financial planning strategies that go along with that, like student loan planning and, you know, making sure that we're being very efficient with those dollars that come out, you know, that we have coming in once you're an attending, you know, that, you know, maybe if you're, you know, working with an advisor who focuses in on working with retirees, you know, they might not be as familiar with, you know, so the needs of a physician. And so a lot of that's where a lot of times, you know, we see clients that might, 
you know, start with working with their parents' financial advisor, who maybe they didn't start working with until they were closing in on retirement. And then they're kind of doing them a favor to help their, their kids and helping, you know, helping them, but maybe they don't have the expertise of what the needs are of a physician. So making sure that they have some expertise and understanding, kind of knowing your guys's language, I think is going to be really important. Um, the, um, you know, and like we talked about, you know, are they comprehensive or are they just focusing in on one area? Um, and so I think, you know, what, what are their needs? Because, you know, there's a lot of times, you know, we, we're comprehensive advisors. So we, we do the financial planning, we can do the investment management and we do the insurance planning. So, you know, it, it I'll come so oftentimes come in, you know, and a client will have an advisor and that they're, you know, working with a, an investment advisor. They have a financial advisor, but maybe they're only just you know, doing their investments for them, but they're not getting serviced in the insurance or in the uh, the financial planning capacity. And so we can come alongside them and work with their current advisor to help, you know, help with those other areas. But um, so don't think that if you have a financial advisor and they're only talking to you about one area, we may need to supplement and have, have other people in different areas. So just getting a sense of where that advisor's kind of sweet spot is um, can be really helpful when you're building your financial team. One question that we had, Michael, is just a lot of times in residency, you have these financial advisors who will come to you and they'll say, hey, you know what, we'll work for you for free, quote unquote, while you're a resident, um, and then, you know, potentially get compensated while you're an attending. Um, so how does that actually work? Like, how do financial advisors get paid? Yeah, sure. It's a great question. And, you know, really to, to simplify it, the advisor, advisors can get paid in one of three ways. And so it's, they're either getting paid from uh, insurance compensation, um, investment management, or financial planning, just uh, a financial planning fee. So in the insurance compensation, usually built into the premiums that you're, you know, on, on a, that you're paying on a monthly basis for an insurance contract, those there's a built-in compensation that goes to the advisor that helps you implement that. So it it's not an additional fee that you have to pay the advisor to you know have them help you with that because they're getting compensated from the insurance company on that. So the next is investment management, and so usually we will see you know there's two different ways of of charging for investment management. I'd say that probably the majority of folks will um, align with more of an assets under management uh, model, which is uh, a fancy way of saying that they charge a percentage based off of how much money is in the account that they're managing for you. Um, and that can range from 1% to 1.5% that, you know, if you have a kind of a smaller account fee to start, but then a lot of them will have declining fee schedules that as the account grows, then you hit certain benchmarks and that, you know, fee will come down for you. Um, but other, you know, that's kind of the, you know, assets under management model. There are some other investment products that are commission or just, you know, um, transaction based where they, you know, will help, you know, get you into a mutual fund and there's upfront transaction fees for that, but they don't have like on, you know, an ongoing uh, advisor fee for that and uh, on, on those products. So, so that's how the investment management can work. Um, and then the lastly is the financial planning fees. It will range anywhere from like 100 bucks at the low end, um, all the way up to maybe 600 bucks a month, depending on levels of service. And you know, some advisors will base it off of complexity, some base it off of you know hours that they're working, or some base it off of just output that you want from the advisor. Um, and that's where you know you're really you know doing all the, the budgeting and you know touching base on all the areas of the financial plan for you. So so those are really the three ways that advisors can be compensated. Um, and kind of some of the going rates, just so you guys can know what, what, what to expect in that domain. 
Super. That's really helpful and good information to know and wrap our brains around um, and demystifies it a bit. Um, I think kind of along that vein to know when we are seeing patients, I think there's a lot of uh, the impetus of trust but verify, right? Like if I'm sitting in the office with somebody and I can't explain the rationale for some treatment, monitoring, et cetera, they're going to look at me funny. Um, and so, no, I kind of want to know from you too, with respect to financial advisors themselves or products that they may be offering, things along those lines, um, what should we kind of consider in that trust but verify model? Um, are there things that you recommend looking for? Yeah, of course. You know, and I think that's that's probably the biggest thing when you're when you're finding an advisor because you know you're either gonna click with uh, with an advisor or you're not you know and I think when you have that trust but it's 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 important to not only have there's a difference between trust and rapport you know it's a, it's it's important to have rapport with your advisor but it's also important to make sure that you actually trust them and, and I think there's a couple ways that you can kind of um, feel through that but you know one of the one of the biggest you know uh, assessments that I do usually when I'm you know hiring other advisors or counselor you know for for my myself you know so I really want to know can they explain it simply <laughs> if if they can't explain it simply they might not fully understand it themselves period so you know this this stuff is you know in financial terminology um I, I, you know, I really try, this is why I, I use a lot of analogies, right? Because they're, it's really important to, you can understand and explain a concept um, in a way that's under, that you understand and you get it, right? You know, we don't need to, you know, uh, be showy and, sh you know, share uh, as many financial terminologies to impress you and make your eyes roll back your head as you don't know what's going on. There's all the whole totally foreign language. So I think, you know, really, if you're, if they're using a lot of financial terminology that, you know, might not really, you might not understand and it's not really clicking, um, if they can't quite understand, you know, explain it simply, then, you know, that might be something that, you know, might be a breakdown that, you know, maybe that's, that advisor is not a good fit for you. Right. Um, and then, but I mean, it's, it's really hard because, you know, there's, there's this, uh, there's tendency for our physician clients. And this is, you know, what happened with my parents too, is that, you know, we, we have this kind of blind faith, you know, I mean, it's like, if I'm sending my wife, you know, have, you know, have read, you know, and for a C-section for, you know, for you guys to take care of her, you know, I have no idea what you guys are doing back there, you know, but I, I'm just trusting that you're going to take care of her and you have her best interest at heart. Right. And so a lot of our physician clients want, you know, want to trust in that same capacity to their other, uh, to their financial professionals. But um, sometimes advisors take advantage of that. And so it's really important, you know, just like my parents did, they got taken advantage of by a financial advisor right out of fellowship. And so, you know, it's important to not only trust people, but verify them. And so, you know, usually the, the three pillars of trust that, you know, want to make sure that, you know, people are really understanding is, you know, one, are they competent? Do you feel that they are competent in their trade? That's just, you can snip that out pretty easily, right? Um, one, are they sincere? 
you know, are they, do you feel like they're trying to sell you or do you feel like they actually have your best interest at heart? That's sincerity is number two. And then are they reliable? Are they doing what they said that they were going to do? Are they following up with you when they should be following up with you? Are they, you know, having those conversations that you feel that they are a reliable resource for you? If they can pass muster on those three, then I think that's going to be a really good fit for a long-term advisor for you. You know, is there a directory or a library akin to like Googling your doctor for certified financial planners to to know like who has either a track record or is trustworthy? Is there like a health grades for, for CFPs? Yeah, you know, there there are a couple of resources. Um, there, the CFP board has a database of all the CFPs. Um, and so it's it's hard to, that's like one one way that you can find a CFP like in your area, but a lot of people work remotely. So, you know, they can service you across the country. So I wouldn't necessarily narrow your scope just to like your local area. Um, but then usually um, broker check is another way that um, brokercheck.com or you can just Google broker check and you can actually get to, you know, a background of that advisor to see if they have any, you know, bad marks on their record or anything like that, or any complaints prior to that. Um, that's another good way to just kind of check their record on that. So I think those are probably the two places that I would, I would have, have clients look. All right. So thank you so much again for coming on our show, Michael, and giving us all this great information. Um, where can our listeners get in touch with you if they have uh, any more questions? Yeah, no, thanks for having me again. You know, if, if uh, feel free to have, you know, if any of your listeners have any questions on this stuff or trying to, you know, um, vet out advisors or have other questions on that, we'll put my email address in the, in the show notes. And um, I have a, uh, we'll put it just a scheduling link. If you guys want to just book a meeting on my calendar, feel free. I'm happy to spend some time with you and just kind of talk through things. So um, those are the best things. And maybe even just Google Michael Foley North Star, and you'll probably find me as well. So thanks again for having me. Brilliant. All right. So that does it for today. Once again, this is Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Creags Over Coffee. So guys, if you enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes, go ahead and go into your favorite podcatcher on Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us online on Twitter at Creags Over Coffee 1, on Instagram and Facebook at Creags Over Coffee. Or if you love the show and want to support us, head over to patreon.com slash Coffee. Send us some love and we'll send you some swag. You can find show notes for this show and all of our other episodes on our website, as well as the Rosh Review Question of the Week. That's at www.creagsovercoffee.com. If you have a question for us, a correction to this, or any of our prior episodes, want to say hello, email us, creagsovercoffee at gmail.com. <laughs>